Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I was reading recently about Pastor James Brown from Los Angeles. He wrote some years ago that he was learning to fly and his instructor told him to put the plane into a steep and extended dive. He said, I was totally unprepared for what was about to happen. After a brief time, the engine stalled and the plane began to plunge out of control. It soon became evident that the instructor was not going to help me at all. After a few seconds, which seemed like an eternity, my mind began to function again, and I quickly corrected the situation. Immediately, I turned to the instructor and began to vent my fearful frustrations on him. He very calmly said, There is no position you can get this airplane into that I cannot get you out of. If you want to learn to fly, go up there and do it again. At that moment, God seemed to say to me, to witness with my spirit, remember this, as you serve me, there is no situation you can get yourself into that I cannot get you out of. If you trust me, you'll be all right. And he said, these lessons have been proven true in my life and ministry many times over through the years. There's no situation you can get yourself into that God cannot get you out of. Isn't that wonderful? We serve a God who is able. We serve a God who can do what we cannot. We serve a God who is high and above all of creation. And He wants us to stop periodically and see with Him through eyes of faith in the pages of Holy Scripture the big picture to see it from God's perspective, to look at it and to have God's take on the matter. And with that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles and stand with me this morning as we turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. One of the major themes of Ephesians is that God is at work in this world through His church putting things together. In these first three chapters here, The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, explains this work as a work of redemption in chapter 1, resurrection in chapter 2, and reconciliation here in chapter 3. In chapters 4 through 6, Paul states the responsibilities of the believers in light of God's great purpose. In light of God's great purpose. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 aloud. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You may be seated. The emphasis on this prayer is spiritual vision, getting a hold of the greatness of God, His love, and His power. God wants us to be concerned about the whole building, chapter 2, verse 21. 
the whole family, chapter 3 and verse 15, and the whole body, chapter 4 and verse 16. We're part of all the saints that are referenced here in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 3. We're a part of this work of God, this grand plan that God is at work in unfolding and fulfilling in your life and mine in this world through the local church. This is our great God. One writer asked this question, Is narrowness in your life leading to shallowness and weakness? Have we lost sight of the greatness of God? Have we lost sight of the sufficiency of His Word and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit? What does God want to remove the blinders of in our hearts and our minds and our spiritual eyes today and show us even, remind us of, oh, we're serving a great God who is able. We can and we must trust Him. Are you trusting God with whatever's come against you? With what is bigger than you? What you're not sufficient for? See, we're living by faith, not by sight. One noted preacher made this statement, if you can do it by yourself, is not a step of faith. If we can do it, let's just do it. But if it's something God wants, then God will show us and impress upon us our own insufficiency so that we could turn to Him and see His true all-sufficiency. I want to see that. I want to live that in my life, don't you? Now think with me and follow along. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 14, I want to illustrate the ability and the power of our great God. 1 Samuel chapter 14, find your place there. Trust your God who is able, number one, because He's not limited by our limitations. He's not limited by our limitations. Jonathan was a true leader in Israel, not Saul. The contrast between the two is striking, one is said. Saul was sitting while Jonathan was attacking the enemy. Saul trusted his growing army, but Jonathan trusted God and did not depend on the numbers according to verse 6. Think about this. Saul watched things happen, but Jonathan made things happen. There's a time for healthy caution, and there's a time for intentional action. Lord, what do you want? Sometimes if we're not careful, we're overly careful, overly cautious. And that's where Saul was. And uh, the great challenge of the Philistines coming against them. Everyone was to sit tight. But Jonathan in verse 6 said to the young man that bear his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be, underline that, it may be. We don't always know what God's going to do and how, but we want to give God the opportunity. We don't want to meet God in heaven one day and God said, well, look what I would have done. And we're like, well, Lord, we didn't know for sure, so we didn't even try. We hesitated and, and, and we tried to figure it out on our own and, and we leaned to our own understanding and said, well, listen, th this is something we just can't do. 
What we cannot do, God can. Let's be reminded of that. God is not limited by our limitations. We can only go so far. We can only do so much. But God can do all things. I think about it. It says, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by what? Few. You see that there? It's amazing. God is not restrained. God is not limited is the thought. God is not hindered. You may have a a large number and a big capacity. God is bigger. You may have a small number and a small capacity. God is still big. And not just big enough, but more than enough. God wants us to see this, that he's able. I don't know what's come against you, but I'll tell you what, if you give it to God, it's come against the God who is greater, the God who is able, the God who has all things, the Bible says, under his feet. It says here, there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. I want you to underline that and think about it. When you're thinking about how insufficient you are or you don't have this ability or that background or this connection, people think it's all about connections and who you know. Well, in many ways it is. It's about knowing the right ones, really the right one. It's about knowing the Lord. Do we know the God of heaven who is able? He's not limited. Look what the armor bearer said in verse 7. Do all that is in thine heart turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Whatever God has put in your heart, do it. I'll help you. Think about that. And God prevailed. God showed himself strong. I think about different people that God's put in my path, people that I believed were truly servants of God, called of God, had a genuine heart for God, always prayed that God would show them the greatness of his power and the clarity of his will. And I've got others that I've encouraged along the way and, and said, I'll help you. I'll pray for you. I'll support this work. I'll try to get our folks behind it because this is what God has put in your heart. I remember years ago preaching in a church and I had heard this particular man talk about so often what God had put in his heart. And as God began to bring that to pass, I rejoiced with him and said from that pulpit to a large gathering of people, I said, so this is what your pastor has carried in his heart these years. We're getting to see it now. No doubt he has seen it by faith for a long, long time. Walt Disney died before they opened Disney World in Florida. His brother Roy, who was basically the one, Walt was the visionary, he was the one with the creative 
talent and ideas and abilities to see the big picture and then the themes that made it up. But Roy was his right arm because Roy was the funder, <laughs> the one who found the funds to actually do the work that they were setting out to do. And Roy was there on that day of dedication. And someone made the statement, I sure wish Walt was here to see this today. And he said, oh, he saw it. He saw it all right. He's the one who had the vision for it. He saw it before any of us did. You know, there are so many Christians and so many churches and sad to say so many pastors with no vision today. It's like, hey, Jesus is coming, every man for himself. Let's sit back and make it easy on ourselves. Let's don't even talk about extra prayer meetings or extra outreach or anything otherwise that would uh, put upon us a sense of really uh, any kind of additional responsibility. We have to be very careful there. Because the Bible doesn't say, and so much the less as you see the day approaching. Go to church less, serve less, give less, be less involved. Because, you know, well, hey, we've got uh, all our own responsibilities, you know. I understand. And the Lord does too. But we better be careful going down that path and thinking about that too strongly to the point to where we're not willing to follow God because God is not limited. I think there's a lot of Christians and a lot of churches church gatherings meaning, church bodies that are going to meet God one day and, uh, and the Lord is going to say, here's what I could have done, would have done had you just simply trusted and obeyed. It's as simple as that. And God wants to prove himself to you and to me and through us to this next generation and those who come after us. That's what God is doing. God is trying to work in such a way to where we trust him all the way through. And I think about this. God burned this upon your heart and, and mine and mine as well today. God is not limited by our limitations. And if we start talking about our limitations more than about our God and his great ability, we're already on the path of not believing God and not obeying God. So many times we don't even realize it. Because the Bible clearly teaches us, don't lean to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall what? He'll direct your path. He'll make your path straight. He'll make it known. He'll make it clear before you. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more until the perfect day. You walk in the light God gives you. He gives you more light. It becomes so bright like the noonday sun. It's like with clarity. You see, this is what God wants for my life. I think about meeting God one day as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, a grandfather, as a preacher, as a pastor. I think about meeting God one day as the pastor of this church and give an account for everything that went on here. What was taught in Sunday school this morning, the songs that we sing, the ministry that we do or don't do, the things that we steward well and wisely or not, how we fare in this matter of the provings of God, 
the times of God testing us. I'm going to meet God with that one day. Believe me, I'll take that very seriously. That's why I've tried to keep going these years in season and out of season. When it was easy, when it was not easy, when it was possible it seemed and when it was impossible. When it was coming together, when it was coming apart. I got to meet God with how I respond now. So Lord, help me to humble myself. Help me to look to you and lean on you fully because you are not limited by my limitations. Psalm 78 says, they didn't believe God and as a result, they limited the Holy One of Israel. We're limited. He's not. Why would we want to limit Him? You say, how can you limit an unlimited God? You limit Him, and I do, through unbelief. Through leaving Him out. Through not praying and fasting and seeking the mind of God. By leaning to our own understanding. By trying to just simply say, well, this is my fault or my idea. We all have that, and I respect that. But at the end of the day, we've got to come and say, Lord, uh, not our will, but Thine be done. What is your mind in the matter, Lord? What do you want in each of our lives? I hope all of the dads and, and husbands here today are praying that for your family. Lord, lead me. Show me what I need to strengthen or some area that I could be uh, just encouraged in to shore up. I was listening to an older preach, preacher preach last night. It was live in the service online. He said he was in prayer recently because his wife went home to be with the Lord and they'd been married for a long, long time. And here he is in the latter days of his ministry. He's asking the Lord, Lord, where do I go from here? What do I do? He said, God, the Holy Spirit began to rebuke him as he prayed. You know those books I gave you to write sometime back, you don't even promote them anymore. And the reason you don't promote them because you've made it all about you. Who am I? I'm not really a writer. I mean, I can't do that good, you know, and things like that. He said, here's what you're doing. You're denying people the testimony of the grace that I have worked into your life. And you're robbing me of my glory and others of blessing. And it's a sin. And I want you to repent of it. Wow. I wonder how many of us here today, you could sing, but you don't I don't sing that well. I wonder if the Spirit of God really did speak to us. You can serve. You have gifts and talents, but you don't use them for God. And if you're not careful, it's because of that. It's almost like a, a, a self-effacing, talk myself out of it because, you know, who am I? And I'm telling you, God didn't save us and give us the opportunities and the experiences and the background that we have to sit on it. Isn't that right? God doesn't want us to be on the sidelines. Like, well, I don't know. Let, let me see which way this thing will break. You know, if it breaks this way, I'm going with it. If not, I'm going another way. To think about the glory of God at stake, souls at stake. And yet we just kind of, well... If we're not careful, we don't even realize it and see it that way, but we've made it about us and not about God. 
What do I like? What do I want? What do I feel most comfortable with? What will be the easiest route for me? By the way, that's human nature. That's in us all. Isn't that right? That's in us all. So we come to a point to where we say, now I'm going to get, give in to that, am I? Or am I going to say, well, wait, Lord, thy will be done, whatever the cost, whatever the price, not, not what I want. Lord, I'm asking you to not put this on me. I'm asking you to not uh, lead me down that path. But if that's what you want, Lord, I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to pay whatever price. I'm willing to serve you. I, I'm willing to take what you've taught me and to pass along and share it with others. It's a battle I fight. I think about the things that God's done in my life. And I ask you this morning to pray for me. And I say this sincerely. I've, I've given my whole heart to the Lord without reservation to follow Him, to do His will. I've done that for my family, for the church. I'm not a perfect man. I'm filled with flaws and faults and insufficiencies. And don't say amen right there, but say amen somewhere else, all right? But I know you can say amen because many of you, you've known me a long time and you've seen some of them. But we all have them, do we not? Now what are we going to do? We're going to humble ourselves before God or we're going to be exacting on each other? We're going to lose sight of the big picture, the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of others, those who've stood by us in our time of need, those who've loved us and prayed for us. Are we going to value that and see that or are we going to let something that we don't understand or something we don't like or something that we get aggravated with or are we going to let that just turn us aside and say, oh. What are we going to do? I'll tell you, we're living a day to where the world is in such dire need for the gospel. Listen, there's nothing that this world has to offer as a solution. The worst virus to ever infect humanity is the virus of sin. And it has a 100% death rate. And we, the people of God, the local church on Old Charlotte Highway, along with others, yes, but our part in this place, we have the answer. We have the answer. You and I have been trusted with the answer. We have a God who says, I go before you. Will you be willing to die to yourself and deny yourself and not make it about yourself and not talk yourself out of what I want for your life? Would you quit saying, but who am I? And think God could use someone like me and, you know, and I'm just not quite able and, and we just don't have this and we don't have that. Let's not talk about what we don't have. Let's talk about who we do have. We have the God of heaven who goes before us. And the Bible says he is able. There's nothing, literally no thing too hard for him. Our God is greater. Get a hold of the big picture and see him high and lifted up. As they cried there in Isaiah 6, the cherubim and the seraphim, holy Holy, holy Lord God Almighty. If we saw him high and lifted up, I'll tell you, it humble us. We'd see not only our insufficiency and our own sinfulness, 
but we would see our need for his mercies and forgiveness. And when we see that he offers it to us, here's what we'd say. As the prophet did in Isaiah 6, here am I, send me. Or if you can use someone like me, send me, Lord. I'll go. I'll serve. I'll do your will. Oh, as I think about this, look quickly in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14, I'll just allude to this. Early in his reign, Asa relied on the Lord and God gave him a great victory. Later in his life, in the 36th year of his reign, he left God out and started kind of leaning to his own understanding and thought, well, I'll do it this way and do it that way. And he ended in great loss and disappointment. And all the people suffered. You know what God reminds us of? I've been here 33 years. After 33 years, I could just say, well, hey, what do you think? What do you think? Well, this is what I think. Well, preacher, we used to pray, well, you know, I know, but let's just kind of figure this out. That's kind of where Asa was. doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. At any point, if you're not careful, you can leave God out and start making decisions without his advisement and his insight. I tell you, you're going to get into great trouble there if you leave God out. Don't leave God out of the equation of your present circumstance. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God because God is able. He's not limited by our limitations. Number two, He comes to our aid without hesitation. Here they were in the heat of the battle. 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse number 11. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help. There it is. It is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us. Those who have power, those who have the wherewithal, those who have all that they need, it would seem, in the face of this battle. Lord, you're able to help them, yes, but you're also able to help those of us who don't have all those things. You're not limited is the point. But here's the key. Now think about it. It is nothing with thee to help. If you'll study that phrase, it literally means that God comes to our aid. The word here means to surround, to protect, to come to the aid of, as in the word of succor, which literally means to provide assistance and support in times of hardship and distress. As a mother would come to a crying child, God runs to our aid. It is nothing for thee to help. You don't hesitate when your people are in trouble, you don't just say, well, hey, where you been? Well, what's going on there? You know, if a mother hears a child cry in another room, and you know the difference between the cries, right? You know immediately if it's a hurt cry. You want to see someone move fast? I believe the quickest moving person in all the world is a mother in that moment when she hears the genuine cry of her child. I mean, she's gone. She's right there to that child's side without hesitation, not like, well, what are you doing? What's going on? How did you do this? She don't go in there with that. It's like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? And I mean, he's got something in his mouth, whatever. I mean, just anything that needs to be addressed will be addressed, and then we'll talk about it later and try to figure out what happened here. That's the way God is. Now think about it. Somebody, perhaps in your family, in your life, needs your help this week, and you're going to be like, 
Well, what's going on now? Well, what do you need now? I am so glad, hallelujah, there's a God in heaven who does not chide me when I come before him and say, Lord, I need you. Thank God forever that he doesn't say, well, what, how'd you get in this mess? Now, I'm, not, I'm not talking about there not being times when God teaches us. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the heart cry of God, I need you in this instance. I need you. The Bible says we can call on him in the time of trouble, and he's a very present what? Help in time of trouble. When we call on God, God comes to our aid. Think about that. Without hesitation. Praise God for that. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 and verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That word succor literally means to come alongside of, to be there in the instance in the time of need for his children. That's the heart of our God toward us. Oh, may the Lord help us to trust in him. Isaiah 38, 20 says, The Lord was ready to save me. The word ready means to be wide open, open hearted, open handed or armed as it were. And it also means to succor, to come alongside of, to instantly come to. The Lord was ready to save me. Help me, Lord. And it was there. I'll tell you what, we need to be renewed in our conviction that our God is able. He's able. He's not limited by our true limitations. He comes to our aid without hesitation. He's very present in time of trouble. And then look with me over in Isaiah chapter 40. We've been in this passage recently, but I want to just summarize this. Isaiah chapter 40. I love this book of the Bible. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27 through 31, in summary teaches us those who trust in the Lord will be sustained by Him. That's what it teaches us. If you trust in God, God will sustain you. No matter what's coming against you, no matter how tired and weary and insufficient you are, when you come to the place to where you think your way is even hid from the Lord, according to verse 27, and your judgment is passed over from God, God is not even at work. The word judgment means verdict. God is not even chiming in on this and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do or this is not going to... Uh, lingering your life. I'm going to deal with this because it's unjust. It's like God is nowhere to be found in my life. When you come to that place, God reminds you in verse 28, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. The God who has made all things the God who is great, the God who is powerful, the God who is able, he giveth power to the faint, and them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Isn't that wonderful? And just as he says there in the Old Testament book of Exodus and also in Deuteronomy about eagles bearing us up, 
like a, an eagle would bear up her little, little ones. God bears us up and carries us. I want to tell you, God wants us to be reminded today that he never wavers or grows weary in helping us. Make a note of that, if you will, number three. Trust your God who is able. He never wavers or grows weary in helping us. He is the great God of heaven who says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God is going to give us buoyancy. God is going to lift us up. God is going to sustain us because he is able. Now, I'm serving a God who's able today. Are you? Are you really? Jesus said, how about living it out? What a challenge that is. But it is something that God gives us the wherewithal and the capacity to do with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Our God can do anything. He's always ready and willing to help. Never gets tired of hearing our prayers or helping to meet our needs. I thought about this song we sung. The writer of that song in his testimony said, So ignorant was I that I did not know there was a God. My Sundays were spent on the streets of London in play. He arose from an unruly childhood to become a great writer and minister. But he only wrote one song as a great song indeed. He was on his way to the carpentry shop one morning and thought, I need to write a song for God. And these words came to his mind. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Before the day ended, he had four stanzas. The following Sunday, he visited the home of a friend who was a pastor as well, whose wife was at the point of death. During the afternoon, they read scriptures and prayed with her. As the preacher looked for a hymnal to sing, he could find none. Mote, this man's name, Edward Mote, reached into his pocket and pulled out his verses and asked if they might be sung to her. And so they were. She seemed to enjoy them very much. He was so pleased that she found comfort in these verses. He had 1,000 copies printed for distribution among his friends. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, situation, circumstance, countenance, response from others. I'll be there. I'll stand with you. I'll help you. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever we can trust in or not in this world, at some point, many things give way. But our God will never give way. Our God is not going anywhere. Our God does not waver. Our God is like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. That's not God's attitude toward us. Thank God for that. I'm glad for that. In a day to where it seems like there's such half-heartedness, a missing loyalty and devotion in so many, at all levels, in every relationship across the board, 
Aren't you glad that we have a God who is loyal and devoted and faithful all the way through? And when we're down, he doesn't say, well, I've helped you enough now. You made your bed. Just lie in it. I'm done with you. Aren't you glad that's not God's attitude? God's attitude is, let me enter into this thing with you. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. I've got people that God has put in my path. And I think about the opportunity I have to help them. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's so reoccurring. It can be wearisome. You ever had to work, help someone work through a situation that was not only taxing on them, but on you? You understand that? You ever been, it was costing you to help them work through it. But I'll tell you what helps me in those times when I get weary of helping someone else in their situation. God reminds me of how many times he's helped me in my situation. He said, now I've been faithful to you. You be faithful to me, and you be faithful to others. If they need you, you be there. You do what you can. You be faithful. You be loyal. You be true. And you know what? He that hath friends must do what? Show himself friendly. We all want others to love us and be there for us. Well, it starts with us being willing to love them. And be there for them. Isn't that right? That's the God we're serving. That's his heart. But he also has a strong arm of all sufficiency. He's a God who is able. And I'm going to stand on that rock of promise, aren't you? When everything else gives way, I know that my God is able. He's able. He's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. Do you believe that this morning? Let's stand with our heads bowed. I hope we'll take God at his word and say, Lord, I believe you. You're able. You're faithful. Oh, how many times have I stumbled? How many times have I become weary or even wavered, Lord? How many times have I erred and yet you just continually stood by me? You continually says, I'm not even going to hesitate if you need me. Just call unto me. I, I, I'm not even going to uh, let your limitations uh, limit me. I'm going to be there for you every single time. You know what that verse means? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That literally means God will do what he said he would do every single time. That would be a good quality for us to pray that God would give us. Lord, help us to do what we said we'd do every single time. Help us to stay true to you and the commitments we've made to you and one another, Lord. Help us to have that kind of heart, that kind of spirit, that kind of character. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. 
You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.